this is Stephanie Calvert. And you're listening to Play That Rock and Roll. This is not a test. This is Play That Rock and Roll. I'm your host, Joseph K. And like the song at the start says, just call me Joe. Today is our first interview of 2022. And our guest is Stephanie Calvert, the former vocalist for the band Starship featuring Mickey Thomas. Stephanie sang with Starship from 2006 to 2021. While doing research for my episode about Starship, I discovered that Stephanie had recently been fired from the band. So I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk to Stephanie, not just about leaving Starship, but her experience with the band and in the music industry as a whole. She was happy to come on and very generous with her time. So this interview is actually going to be presented in two parts. This first part, we're going to talk about her joining the band, her performances with residency groups like Raiding the Rock Vault, Rockers Collective, and Monday's Dark. We talk about her favorite songs to perform on stage, and she tells us about her best and worst gigs with Starship. And finally, she shares her memories of the tragic day when Starship guitarist Mark Abrahamian passed away. Part two of our conversation is coming after the weekend, and in that discussion, we cover her experience recording on Starship's 2013 album, Loveless Fascination, and then we get into the topic of why she is no longer with Starship. So stay tuned for that. Stephanie does not have a website or public social media at this time, but when she has those online, I will be sure to share them on my social media pages. So please subscribe to this YouTube channel and find us on Facebook and Twitter. And with that, here's part one of my conversation with former vocalist for Starship featuring Mickey Thomas, Stephanie Calvert. Before we get into anything, I gotta tell you my own personal uh, experience with your time with Starship. I saw you guys play at the Washington County Fair in West Bend, Wisconsin, all the way back in 2010. And I, I don't think you would have any reason to remember this, except maybe because you guys shared a bill with Dennis DeYoung and Kenny Loggins. Do you remember uh, meeting Dennis DeYoung at at that show, maybe? I met him for a brief moment, but he was very, like, he was getting ready to go on, and it was, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it was just kind of two ships passing in the night. It was just like, hey, hey, you know, (laughs) some of them are easier to meet, some of them are, if they're ready to go on and um, you know i try i don't usually um i try not to be um intrusive with their oh sure time. you know i understand and all that stuff but um we did a show one time with at iheart for iheart radio and i'm like a gigantuan new kids on the block fan that was like my era when i was younger and jordan knight was like the love of my life i had doll he had i had a bed next to him i'm just really making myself like nerd alert moment but (laughs) but i just remember like they were in the hall across the way because we were all on the same show and i was just like oh my gosh I have to meet Jordan Knight, please, God. And as he was leaving, he stood and took a picture with me. And it was so amazing. It was just greatest, greatest rock and roll story moment of my life. Pop Terrific. Rock. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Very good. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, my, my girlfriend like, loves new kids. Oh, does she? I was like, oh, oh, yeah. I got to meet Robert Plant. And I'm like, and I have. In, in a show backstage uh, oh, wow. years ago, but I was like, Jordan Knight, highlight, which kind of <laughs> makes me sad, sad person. <laughs> At what point did you decide that you wanted to do music for a living? Well, I don't 
think that I chose it. I think that it just chose me. I was always a performer. And like I said, in high school, I was in all the plays. I just loved theater. And I remember after high school and doing a few more musicals after high school, I think at the age of 26, I saved up whatever money I could. And I wanted to move to New York and be on Broadway. I wanted to be a Broadway star or, you know, semi-star, whatever. And I remember moving out to New York to do that. Is this early 2000s? Yeah, this is, so 95, yeah, early 2000s, really, yeah, early 2000s. So probably um, 2003, 2002, and I moved out there, and I lasted about a month, maybe, in that particular area. It was New Amsterdam, and it was not where it is now. It was very, not the best neighborhood, and Mm. so I would take the train and visit my family, and then they had, like, one of my, anyway, one of my families, they had a basement that they redid into apartments. So I just moved there. But about a month later, my dad got really sick. And so I came down to visit him and he had lost a lot of weight. And, um, and then we found out it was cancer. And, uh, so, um, my mom asked to move back and she didn't really even have to ask me. I, of course I wanted to come and help. Uh, because it was pretty serious. And so I came home back to Vegas and uh, moved there and joined the the band there and just started doing, I mean, I did band stuff before, but my heart was always Broadway, 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 um, because I did so much theater, musical theater. But once that happened, I just started doing uh, bands to pay the rent and, and I really enjoyed singing and it was great. And I got really lucky meeting Mm -hmm. different bands and, and, learning a lot of different songs. And, um, and so that dream changed because my dad was more important than. Oh, absolutely. And so I stayed and he lasted about five years. We thought for sure he would be a little bit longer, but like we thought we were going to lose him then, but then he pulled through and then five years later um, he passed away and it was a very hard time. Um, And I remember quitting a band that I was in for just, I just needed some time because it just felt like, you know, you want answers when you're, I should have spent more time. I should have done this. Um, And about two weeks after I took a break, I got a call from a local agent who knew who I was. And I was one of the few rock singers at the time. There's a lot more girls there now that sing rock, but um, they asked me if I was interested in auditioning for Starship. And I thought, starship starship (laughs) like yeah you know um and so i came in and did a video of me singing the songs and and that was it so um and then i you know if you ask me the question i could tell you how that all worked out but obviously i i got in the band but that's my musical journey it was just all music after that i didn't really get to do plays i did a show called tony and tina's wedding oh okay i've heard of that many many years so that was I, i was a swing in that so that whenever I was in town, I could I could do that show. And I really enjoyed it because it kept my theater chops. Oh, yeah. That is fascinating that you booked the Starship gig uh, so early, relatively early in your music career. I just think it's so interesting that there are some artists who, you know, they go out, they get into the industry and are desperate for, you know, big pro- uh, high-profile jobs right. like that. And I think... You know, it's a credit to your talent and your passion for the business that you were noticed really quickly out there. I was, like I said, just the timing. I really felt like because my dad passed away yeah. two two weeks before I got into this band. Like maybe, maybe, maybe three or I could be within a month. I will say that before I was this opportunity fell on my lap, and I really felt like that was him and Jesus high five and giving me like a shout out to, to, to give me something special. I mean, I'm sad because my dad never got to see me with this in person and with this band, but it really changed my life. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Okay, so I'm going to circle back to Starship. You mentioned... Uh, the Rock Vault, Raiding the Rock Vault, which is a very popular um, residency out in Las Vegas. You got involved with that, I, I suspect, from the, you know, the your work with Starship. And I know you were also in uh, another group called Rockers Collective. And yeah. these both came later. What is it like for you singing with a show like that versus touring with Starship? What are the pros and cons? What, what are the things you notice that are different about those shows? Well, you know, for 15 years, I hung out with the same guys for the most part, oh. you know, except for, you know, when our guitar player, he passed away, that was really hard. And then our new guitar player came in and he was absolutely wonderful. And, but you spend more time with these people than you do your own family. Mm-hmm. So they become, you know, what, in my mind, because I'm a chick, um, I guess, uh, where they become like family to you. Um, but you, you build relationships with other people and doing another show kind of gives you access to be singing songs from people who inspired you. And it, other than singing, you know, the, just the Starship song. So it's a beautiful break from, from the norm. Yeah. And it gives you a chance to reach out to other audiences to, to, I was at home at the time I was living in Vegas. So it was really nice. Uh, my only issue with being in shows sometimes, and you know, I suffered, I, I have a really uh, <laughs> uncomfortable digestive disorder. So being mm. on stage sometimes is really scary. I remember there was one time where I didn't make a cue oh. at the show in Rockfall. <laughs> that one's harder to not show up at because it's very, it's not, they can't just, they can fake it for a while, but it's like, there's a, there's an order to it with yeah. starship is a little different. Like I could look at Mickey and go like, um, yeah. I would have to run off and they would just sing a different song where, you know, and, and for a long time, like there was a couple years where I had run off stage probably like five times during the show oh, and wow. That's not, not at one show, but like yeah. five shows. And I remember thinking like, Oh, do you, I feel like I'm a, I'm not good for you guys. And, you know, you know, yeah. we'll make comments like, but it's just something that I've suffered with my whole life. And so that's the only downfall of, of 
being in a show versus like Rain the Rock Vault versus Starship, Starship was a little more understand or lenient. I'm glad Mickey didn't give you a hard time about that because I'm sure he was used to that sort of thing from back in the early days when Grace or whoever would run off stage to do a line of coke, you know? You know, but you know, you find things out later that that apparently was an issue for them. Oh yeah. You know, but not, not, not the drug part, but me part, you know, after. Oh really? Awful, you, know, you find things out that people will say like, Oh, well, you know, at least this person doesn't have to like have special diet and, you know, and then you're just like, man, you know, like, oh that's not something I can help. That's just like saying like, Oh, at least this one doesn't have to have chemo. I mean, not, not yeah. comparing. I mean, obviously cancer is huge, but I have something that I can't help, but yeah. I don't keep, it doesn't keep me from doing my job. It, I still right. come when I do my job. It's just sometimes I have to skip a song and then come back and sing it later. Well, I'm sure the, the fans didn't notice, you know, I've seen, I've watched a lot of concert footage of you over the last couple of weeks. And you know the performances are always stellar so you know if if you you were missing for a song or two i don't think <laughs> i don't think anyone in the audience would have been disappointed because when you were on stage the the music is just so great well i appreciate that so much thank you one performance in particular of yours that really stood out to me i i found this video just a, a couple of days ago you did a cover of the old james bond song for your eyes only and it was on a YouTube channel called Monday's Dark. And I'm a huge James Bond fan. And I love that song. And when I saw your performance of it, like as a fan of that song and that movie, I, I jaw dropping. I, I couldn't believe how how awesome you were with that. I imagine you must love that song. Tell me what made you pick that one to sing. Well, Monday's Dark is an incredible charity event that they do. They used to do it, I think, one Monday a month, and it just got so popular. Oh, okay. Two, two Mondays a month and they got their own, it's called the space and it's a charity event that this gentleman, uh, Mark Chinook, uh, who came from Canada with the, I think it's the rock. Oh, it's a musical that came to Vegas. It's not, we will rock you. It's the other one. It's anyway, rock of ages, rock of ages. Yes. Thank oh, okay. you. I had a moment. Um, and he just stayed in Vegas and him and his wife, uh, do this he's uh, it was an incredible uh, thing that he built and he brings local you know musicians singers to come out and then he started getting bigger and bigger and so bigger singers come out and stuff and and they raise ten thousand dollars every every for and they pick a charity twice a month wow. and so that they usually do a theme and that theme happened to be 007 so we all had to pick a song he usually gets 10 or 11 sometimes 13 singers to come in, they pick a song from the theme and I love Sheena Easton <laughs> and I love that song. So I really wanted to do that song. So when they asked me, I said, you know, can I do this song? And they said, yes. So I was really excited because you know, I don't get to sing that song very often. And um, so it was a really cool night for me and got to do my, for your eyes only Sheena Easton. That, it was it was fantastic. If you yeah. go back out on the road in in a, in a new band, please <laughs> make that part of the set list. You know, uh, James oh fans of James Bond soundtracks don't get to hear those songs live very often. You know, uh, I think that's why it's, it stuck out to me so much. Oh, thank you so much. It was a it's a treat that that particular charity event is yeah. one of my favorite things to I I'm most likely going to because i'm going to vegas on march 7th and okay. i and they're going to do one that night so i believe i'm going to hopefully be part of that one as well i don't know what the theme is yet but we'll see <laughs> be on the lookout um but it's it's one of my favorite things to do because it's for a great cause and we get to sing stuff that we really love and they've had a lady gaga night and they've had a okay. night, and they've had all the you know crazy awesome themes so but Very that was cool. a special night because that was that's one of my 
favorite songs to sing. So let's uh, let's circle back to Starship here. Let's talk about okay. your, your time with the band. When you first got started with them, when they offered you the gig, I suspect you know the first thing you had to do was uh, reacclimate yourself or refamiliarize yourself with uh, Grace Slick and her singing style. And tell me about the experience of studying what she had done in the past and maybe integrating it into your own style. What was it like trying to find that balance to give an, you know, an appropriate presentation of, you know, the music that she recorded, but not being like, uh, you know, like a, a replay of it, you know, like your own style. Right. Well, uh, I think when I, and I know I've said this in a couple interviews, I know that when I first joined the band, those were huge shoes to fill. And yeah. when people go to see an iconic band at some point, because Starship and Jefferson Starship and Jefferson Airplane, they have, they're a staple in rock and roll, especially back in the 60s and 70s. And so, especially Grace, she's an icon as a female rocker. She really changed and paved the way for a lot of women. And for me, I'm completely different than than Grace Slick. Like she's very psychedelic. I'm very not psychedelic. I'm a little edgier. Um, you know, I never did drugs. I'm I was like, gonna say you're you're probably sober. <laughs> super sober. Um, I don't have any like I've you know crazy road stories. You know, um, but I thought when I first joined that I had to be more like her. I had mm. to sound more like her if I could. So when I first joined, I remember thinking those things and trying to emulate her as much as I could. But after a while, it just felt, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be more like me so that people got more of a tribute to her versus me trying to copy her. Right. You see, because there's no way I can do that. There's no way that I will ever know what it's like to be in her place, walking around. I don't, you know, whatever she was doing at the time, she was, like I said, very in tune with, you know, hippie world and psychedelic. And, you know, maybe she was doing drugs during a performance. I have no idea. Uh, but I don't know that side of things. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, I'm going to, I'm more edgy and I'm more gritty. So why don't I just kind of throw my own spin on it, but still keeping it as close to her as possible. I tease Grace, but in all sincerity, she is my absolute favorite uh, classic rock female vocalist of all time. She's one of my favorite artists yeah. ever. So that's why I... Yeah, you know, and so when I saw you guys uh, back in 2010, I remember paying very close attention to your performance because even then I thought to myself, I hope you don't come out and try and just mimic what she did and like not acknowledge that she's not in the band anymore. I was really hoping that you would do something more original and you did, and that's why I enjoyed that show. And that's why, you know, I'm interested to hear your story because like I know there's some uh, artistic input here that you're doing and it, it's different than you know and not to be disrespectful about tribute shows but it, it you know you made that role your own and you were in that band uh, longer than she was yeah. <laughs> a little bit longer did you ever get a chance to meet her did you ever cross paths with her no i no i you know it's so sad because there was a moment where she was in Las Vegas with her paintings. And I remember I had been on this massive run of shows and I got off the plane and I had to go to this, um, not that I had to go, but I volunteered at, at my church to feed the homeless. Right. And I was walked off the plane. I thought I was going to pass out because I was exhausted, but I was like, I already, I said I would be down there. So went down there and I was going to go afterwards to see her at this place. And I, I was so exhausted. And that was my one moment where I could have probably met her. I was so tired from all of the traveling and all of that stuff that it was my one moment. And 
I missed out, but that was, oh, wow. that was the one time that I could have probably met her and I didn't. I'm sad about it. Well, yeah, but you know, what you were doing was for a good cause. So there's, <laughs> you know, nothing to be ashamed about there. I could have done all of it, <laughs> uh, but I didn't. I yeah. was like, oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah. it's sort of interesting that, cause she didn't have, she didn't maintain any sort of relationship with Mickey or the other guys in the band, right? She, she did with Mick. Um, oh, like, did she? Yeah, not like they talk every day. Yeah, but they had a decent relationship. Um, they had a. They were definitely. They can call. Like if he had an issue or something, he can call her up. They talked on the phone. I remember when oh, okay. uh, a commercial came up and the they were using the music that both of them had been part of, and they had to decide, you know, what they wanted to do with the money or something like that. But so they've talked. You know, business wise, they were they were on a good good level of friendship. So I know that they did speak to each other still. I know that the Jefferson Starship in the in their run in the last 20, 30 years, they've fairly frequently had alumni from the past sit in with them, make appearances, you know, record some stuff and, you know, ex-members would be sort of in and out of the band. But I did notice that in that same run of time that Mickey's lineup stayed fairly consistent and there wasn't a lot of sitting in. Was that like a priority of his or do you know, was he trying to get people to, to pop in for visits or was there just a lot of burned bridges that, you know, he didn't want to explore? You know, obviously there's a history with him and Donnie Baldwin, but yeah, yeah, like a, not a great one. Um, That's crazy to me that he's in Jefferson Starship right now. Uh, it's super crazy. It's super duper crazy. <laughs> I know him and Marty were well up. Paul never really cared for Mick, uh, is yeah. what the rumor was. Um, so I know that there were people in that camp that really tried to get us to not be able to perform at certain places. Um, they had, you know, the whole drama with like having a fake Facebook page and someone coming in and saying bad things. And, you know, it's just stupid after he yeah. passed. Um, I don't, I don't think it was as bad, uh, but he really, him and Mick did not uh, get along too well. I don't think I, yeah. I think he never really said anything bad about him or anything, but it, there was obvious uh, turmoil there. I think that's when Mickey joined the band, that's when Paul left. And um, mm -hmm. so it, that's as far as I know, but I know that like Craig Chiquiso, who was in Starship, one of the original ones, wanted to put something back together again. But Mickey really just wanted to stay in his own lane and and stay with Starship and and keep that going and not be on a side project. Um. So, uh, as far as like I know, Brett Bloomfield has come in and sat in and subbed for um, Jeff Adams, who's the bass player, and and Brett used to be the bass player for them. So he's come in and sat in. We, I love Brett. Brett's amazing. Um, but he's doesn't really do as much music as he does. He does a lot of other stuff now, but sometimes we'll get someone to sit in once in a while, but most of the, he's very much, this is his band. Right. That's fascinating. The industry stuff behind the scenes. I, I guess it's because I'm a big rock and roll dork, but yeah. you know that I get a kick out of that because I've always wondered what it's like touring as an entity where there's a very similar national act you know that's what's so kind of bizarre about the jefferson airplane family tree jefferson starship and starship are very separate groups but they play the same songs that the starship would can you speak a little to that dynamic was there competition uh, with them about getting certain gigs uh is what what does that look like on your end of it I never really, um, I know that people have come out to see the band and thinking that I was Kathy, which is no. weird because if they've seen Kathy, yeah. I'm completely different than Kathy. Right. Like Kathy puts like Grace Slick and Janis Joplin together and that's her performance, you know, oh, which yeah. is great because she also does a Janis Joplin thing. Um, right. But she's very psychedelic and very theatrical. I'm very, like I said, very rocky, very edgy, very like, energy that kind of thing she's completely different performance and we look yeah. different i mean she's got blonde hair and i've got black hair so mm -hmm. they're like are you kathy and i was like no <laughs> but i don't feel like there's needs to be a competition because there's there's enough for everybody 
And people are going to come see me and like me better. People are going to go see Kathy and like Kathy better. And some people don't care. They just want to hear the music and be happy with just the music. So I never thought of Kathy as being, or that band being a super competitive thing, except when we were booked at a show and then they didn't book us because they put Jefferson in or some somehow then I was like bummed because yeah, I feel like we do a great show too. So, but it just is the preference of whatever venue, I suppose, or how Mm. it gets promoted and things like that. Jefferson Starship is very good at self promotions. Oh, Um, you know, they, they put out another album. We put an album out like many years ago, but but yeah. they're, they're very, very present in, even in the social media aspect of things. So they're, that would be something that I think that if Starship did, it would probably work in their favor. But it's, you know, it's not everyone's forte in that camp. So, um, but I think com- competition-wise, I don't know how everyone else feels. I mean, I know that our, that my old keyboard player, Phil, who's in Starship, he's really good friends with Jude, Lo- Jude Gold. Oh, in. um, and you know, yeah. he not to see us. We, we, we don't have any harsh stuff with them. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no harshness there. I don't know about anyone else, but I never sure. felt that. And I know, uh, Phil Bennett never felt that way because they're really good friends and, you know, and most of the guys in that band are pretty laid back. So would there be genuine mix ups with bookers and, and promoters? Yeah. Like they got the wrong band. Pictures. Oh, oh, man. Oh, wow. We'll play a show and it'll be like Jefferson Starship's picture. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) some, there's a lot of difference there. There's like a lot of difference there. Um, Or, you know, they'll promote, they'll promote Jefferson Starship with Mickey's voice as the music. Oh, yeah. I remember that. But, um, but other than that, like, yeah, those, they'll, they'll introduce us as Jefferson Starship and we have to make sure that, you know, this is Starship featuring oh, yeah. Thomas instead of Jefferson Starship. So oh, yeah. that's the only mix up, but it's never been like, what? Like the audience has never gone like, this isn't Jefferson. We're out of here. Like right. not that we've right. noticed, you know, usually we can get them. Like If they were <laughs> thinking it would be that one, then they got us. Or if it, they were thinking it was us and they got the other one, I have never seen any major turmoil in that. Okay. That's that's still funny that there is sort of that confusion though still a little do. bit. I yeah. Know. <laughs> so, so when we it comes have to fans that go to both, we oh. have fans that go to both shows and enjoy both shows. I'm I am one of them. I enjoy both lineups absolutely. You know, and 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 you're right to point out like it. There's it doesn't make any sense at all to compare you and Kathy Richardson. You have very different styles, and both are very cool styles that I enjoy quite a bit as a fan. But. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about singing with Starship. You know, there, there's a, a limited number of songs that you can do in a set list because, of course, you have to do the hits for the fans. Yeah. And there's only so many deep cuts. And also the the Starship lineup, uh, I guess, only did four albums. What were your favorite songs to sing? Were there any songs you wish to sing more of? And then the flip side, uh, which ones... If any, did you get sick of singing from time to time? <laughs> you should interview the drummer. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I really loved singing Set the Night to Music. Because when oh. I was growing up, I didn't know that Starship was the original singer of Set the Night to Music. I always thought it was Roberta Flack and Maxie Priest. And I loved yeah. that song for so long. And then getting in this band, realizing that, holy cow, they originally sang this song. Yeah. So that was, that was such a treat to be able to sing that song. Um, you know, of course I love singing somebody to love because then I get to like really get raw. Uh, yeah. Rabbit. I enjoyed singing because the people really loved that song. Um, least favorite. Oh man, I'm gonna sound like such a kiss ass. Um, I don't have a least favorite. I don't think that that I sang none. Like I love singing all the songs. 
Um, oh, okay, okay. I love singing every single one of them. Did you ever sing on Winds of Change? Okay, no. I just sang oh. the harmonies, even though that was a Mickey and Grace song. Mickey sang yeah. that song. And I just oh, okay, okay. I yeah. will say in the back of my, like in my heart, I wish that he would have shared that with me because I loved that song. And he yeah. when I first joined the band, he did it all the time. And then he took oh. a break from it for a while because he would pull out his acoustic and play it. When I first joined the band, Stranger was one of my favorites because it was this like really cool, different kind of song that I'd never heard. It wasn't like on the radio or anything like that. And I just thought, what a cool song. Yeah. Um, but, and that pretty much stayed on almost every concert. But Winds of Change would pop in once in a while. And my, that, my hot take on this would be that was a mistake to not let you duet because that's what makes that song so great is that it's a, it is a duet. Okay, how about, let me throw another one at you. Yep. Did you ever sing Rock Myself to Sleep? No, I was going to say that. I know <laughs> that song. wanted to i know this is gonna sound listen like, that song is hilarious i'm still butthurt from everything <laughs> like i'm doing really well like i thought like after i got off the phone with you i literally started crying because this has been such a hard devastating time for me but i remember thinking like oh hey mick like rock myself to sleep if you ever want to you know do it because it was such a cool like little grace slick song in starship yeah but we never did it. Oh, you know, he what? might do this with this new girl. He really likes her, so. Well, yeah, maybe. I, I, I would only want someone to do it if they appreciated that song and actually I knew love the song. That song. Yeah, <laughs> that song is. Uh, uh, I think the only song. The only song you could compare it to thematically would be Shebop. Uh, <laughs> And there's just not enough songs uh, uh, like that. Oh, I guess um, I touched myself by the divinals, right. but we're getting off exactly. topic. <laughs> you got to have that, you know, you got to share that moment. And let right. you know that there's sometimes you're just alone. Yeah. You know, by yourself. What goes into putting together a set list for a full show? If you're not sharing a bill, is it just Mickey's decision? Is it a band decision? How does, how does a set list get put together? It's Mickey. Yeah. It's a Mickey At the thing. start of a tour? Like first night of the tour? Every every night. He, oh, okay. he doesn't really change things up very often. Once in a while, right. it's kind of a thing. Um, but like sometimes he'll say, sometimes I'll say, oh, you know, hey, and maybe he hated this about me. I don't know. But I could say like, oh, can we do set the night to music? Or can we do this? Like usually the 90 minute song had all of the songs. And, and yeah. if it was a 90 minute set, we'd throw them all in there. Um, even the long, when we did the throwback to um, the tribute to the airplane days, he would, we would do the long version. If we didn't, if he didn't want to do the long version, he'd take out miracles and count on me and then just put white rabbit and somebody to love. Um, oh, okay. So, at, but he, he was the set list maker. Yeah. So it was never like, Hey, let's all sit down. We were not like that. It's different. Like my husband, is in Little River Band, and yep. he, they are so their dynamic is so different than our dynamic was. It, they're very much a band, and they make decisions. Like obviously Wayne Nelson makes the major decisions, but he's very good at you know asking and including the band. At, um, and Starship's just different. You know, Mickey's the leader, and he kind of makes the decisions. And we've all been. I mean, we knew that from the start and that's just kind of how it is. And that's fine. I mean, it's never, it's not like we're out there like, why can't I, you know, <laughs> like, I don't think any of us were like, I really wish I could make the set list, but I will say this, Mickey is really good. And probably cause he's been doing it for so long at figuring out how many, so like if we go, okay, this is a 45 minute set. He'll know exactly how many songs to put on there. Oh, oh, that's cool. And like, oh, it's, it's, you know, 30 minutes. Okay. These are the songs. Okay. And it will be like exactly 30 minutes or 90 minutes. 
exactly oh. 90 minutes. It's incredible how he does it, but he does it. Did, did he ever say why uh, he refused to do Rock Myself to Sleep with you? No, he's <laughs> so different personalities. He's very passive, a very passive, oh. non-confrontational person. Oh, okay. And I am completely different than that. That's oh, probably, okay. you know. So no, I would never, he would just be like, oh, maybe, and then never talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I think, I think everybody at home listening knows someone exactly like that, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> you know. I'm funny. Italian. I'm very confrontational. It's probably not always in my best interest to be that way, obviously, but I've just, I'm very transparent and very like, if there's an issue, I'm like, there's an issue. This is what we need to talk about. Let's get it out on the table and work it out. And, um, and then, yeah, he's very opposite of that. So looking back on your, your 15 year run, you know, so much of that is touring. Are there any gigs in particular that stand out and you can say more than one. Are there any gigs that stand out as particular high points for you that were just so much fun that you always have those memories? Anything, what what are the best gig memories that you have? So there's probably two main ones. Okay. And then the third one is just a show that we do. Okay, so the very first one where I like, it took my breath away and I couldn't even like process was when um, at the time they were doing this rewind festival. They do it every year in England, yep. and in Scotland. Um, and so they couldn't bring the whole band out. So Mickey and I went up and we performed at this, it was called, um, I think Henley on Thames. And it's just like the Thames, the, and so it's like there were 50,000 people probably there. There was a television broadcast of it. I was wearing this okay. kind of fur vest that his wife loaned me to, so I could look cooler. Okay. Um, and it worked. I loved it. Um, but I remember walking on stage, and we only sang maybe three or four songs because it just was the bands with their top three or four hits or two or three hits, and then they would go off. And I just thought, holy cow. First off, Rick Astley was there, and he uh. they love Rick Astley there. So he hosts all of these and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's Rick Astley. And by the way, Rick Astley is the coolest, funniest, one of the most fun, makes fun of himself, wittiest sense of humor person. One of them I've ever met in this industry, just so much fun. And people don't know that about him, but if you met him, you would know. And he loves his wife so so much it's just a he's just such a cool person but now see that's what you want to hear as a fan that's that's so happy i'm so happy to hear that because i I do love rick astley and there's no shortage of stories of you know uh rock stars being the opposite of that (laughs) and i and i will tell you that but going on that stage for that moment and and getting that having that many people just watch you i i couldn't even process it it was in the most incredible feeling the only down part about that particular one is i'm going to tell you the crappy story the bangles so i was like a huge bangles fan and i wanted to meet them so bad and they're like mm, sorry we're really tired and we don't want to meet anybody oh. and i was like what i'm in the trail right here i'm not like <laughs> yeah whatever so i was really bummed because i didn't get to meet the bangles but um but then <laughs> yeah, you know, you get some. I'm going to say this. This is my shout out. Billy Ocean. Greatest human on earth. <laughs> okay. Every human angel, the person with the most light I've ever met. Besides my Auntie Ollie, you might not put this on your podcast, but if you do, I want everyone to know that Billy Ocean was the most even sometimes talking about him makes me cry you just want to be around him 24 7 because you feel like you're gonna get you feel something from him like this energy from him that's so beautiful greatest person i've ever met on the road as a musician greatest human being his band is incredible they're incredible they're like family most incredible human ever 
Wow, that's uh, we can definitely make room for that. I have a lot of appreciation for for Billy Ocean. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to interview that man, it'll. Oh, it'll, I would. Oh, absolutely. I would, it would jump. Just try to be like, I love you so much, Billy. If if I, I promise you this, if I ever get him on this show, I will play him the clip of you saying ah. that. <laughs> it's a big if. It's a big if, but uh, I, I I definitely promise that. The the other one was going to New Zealand. New Zealand is one of the most breathtaking places. I always thought that like once I went to New Zealand, I thought, okay, I get it. Jesus, you know, God put this little place over here for only certain people get to go and enjoy <laughs> it um, because. But it's just a special, special place in the world that you go there and it's so incredibly gorgeous. And the people there are so wonderful. We did a show. There were at least, I don't know how many, 20,000, 12,000, something like that between. They all stayed out and it was pouring rain. Oh, and it was wow. just pouring rain. And they yeah. just screamed for us the whole time. And just being around that, the, those people were so lovely. And the beauty of New Zealand, if you ever get a chance to go to New Zealand, you have to, if it's on your bucket list, go. It's worth the 5,000 million hour flight. It's worth it because you just go there and you're just, it's just this little special, gorgeous place that, you know, just so far away, <laughs> unless you're in Australia, then it's like just a plane ride. But it was beautiful. And then I love going to Disney every year. We would go twice a year for the garden rocks and the food. Oh, okay. Of course. And they, that's always my favorite because the fans there, uh, that's where I built a lot of my family that, that are friend that are friends and family now. So they became fans and then they became friends. And then now a lot of them have become family to me. That I've just, oh, that's they, real. That's just, real sweet. Yeah, they've changed my life. The fans have changed my life. A lot of the fans have changed my life. And the ones at Disney were exceptional. Okay, so let's let's uh, do the flip here. Here's the other side. Now, in, in all these 15 years of touring with Starship, there had to be at least one that sticks out as a bit of a horror story. Was there ever a worst gig of all time? This is the most terrible gig ever. And that's the one where our guitar player died right after the show. Okay. So not funny at all. Okay. No, so not a funny let's be, one. Let's be serious. Yeah. So tell yeah, me about, was, tell, tell, tell us about that. Well, we were like, this is where I get to throw someone else under the bus again. We were in, in Nebraska. We had to drive two hours to this place. And it was next to this big building, but it's outside. It was very hot that day. And we were there with Survivor and Boston. Now, obviously Boston was the finale um, and we opened uh, us in Survivor. And I remember working with Boston and I don't know if you know, but Boston's very much like when Boston's there, it's Boston. And so they, they had all the trailers in the back rather than, you know, so it was every trailer was taken up by the Boston crew. So we had to get shuttled over to the building. And I remember, yeah, it was, it was, you know. <laughs> There's uh, one original guy left in that thing. Hey, you know? but it's Boston. I get I, it. But like, I, I, trailer I, I man, it. one trailer Boston. man. Yeah. Just like, can you move your guitars? Um, yeah. No, it's okay. <laughs> can, we, can you use that dressing room? Yeah. Um, so we got trucked there. So anyway, we, we ate before and. Um, and Mark, his name was Mark Abrahamian and he would, you know, he had some beers. He likes to drink beers on the, on the show. And he's the, he was like, he's a smoker, but he was worked out all the time. He's really fit. He was only, I think 46 at the time. And he was back there. He had steak. We all ate before the show. And then we got, and we had this one big room that we had curtained off our section and curtained off survivor section. And then we had a couple tables out that we can all mingle with. So, we did our show. We go out there and we do our show and it's hot. Like it's, mm -hmm. I'm just it's sweating. It's, it's really hot. And at the, on the last show, at the last song was we built the city on rock and roll, of course. And, you know, and then we we're done. And I guess Mark had broken some strings or whatever. So Jeff, our bass player looked over at him and was like, Hey, are you okay, man? He's like, no, I'm just not feeling good. It's, you know, I don't know. And so we thought he was getting overheated. In the meantime, like 
the keyboard player and I, who were super close, like we hung out all the time, we got shuttled up and they got Mark shuttled up as fast as he can. But we're in the dressing room and my phone starts ringing and it starts ringing, ringing. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And I realized it's a 510 number, which is Austin. And I was like, why is Mark's trying to call me? Mark's trying to call me over and over again. But normally it would come up Mark Abrahamian. Now I had just gotten T-Mobile and obviously after this thing, I never, I left T-Mobile, but I remember thinking, oh my gosh, it, why is Mark trying to call? So I tried to call it back and it just, I had no service. So Phil calls back and it's, and it's Mark's girlfriend or fiance at the time. And she's talking to me and she's like, Hey, Mark was just on the phone with me. He's really, really sick. And then he started moaning and then he felt like he was having an heart attack and then he's not answering. He's not responding. I don't know where he is. He said he was really hot. And I thought, okay, so we're him and like keyboard player and I, and I was like, stay on the phone with me. We're walking around. I'm like, Mark, Mark. And I thought, Ooh, somewhere to cool down, maybe the bathroom because the tiles. So I go in there. He's not in there. Then the bass player comes out. He's like, have you seen Mark? And I was like, no. So of course we find him and he's on the floor in the dark in a room. And I'm like, we found him. Let me call you back. I'm going to call 911. So I called 911, came down. It felt like it took them forever to get there. Luckily, there was a hospital not too far, but they didn't have emergency services on the premises, which is not normal for an outdoor concert venue. So uh, I'm not happy about that. But yeah. so I'm like freaking out. And, you know, they do CPR, they come in, they do the, the whole like electric. And you, it's not like the movies, so much right. worse. And I'm like in the midst of like, I'm having breakdowns. I'm going around the, the, the Boston manager pulls me up to the side. Cause I'm like freaking out, like praying to Jesus, like, please don't let him die. And in the meantime, I'm like, <laughs> and then I call his fancy. I was like, Hey, listen, we're going to bring him to the thing. So they finally got a pulse, but we brought him to the hospital. They worked on him for a really long time. And I'm in the meantime, like I'm breaking down and then getting on the phone with her and being like, everything's going to be okay. Just make sure you're not alone. And get off the phone. I'm like, oh, my God. And, uh, and he didn't make it. Wow. And I remember the drive back. And it was a two-hour drive without him. And normally, he's in the car with us. And I remember one special moment of driving to, to the show with him in the back seat. And he's not like a super jokester kind of guy. He's very kind of you know, solemn and, you know, introverted. And I remember he said, Hey, I got a joke. And I thought, Ooh, Mark Abrahamian's going to tell a joke. And he's like, where did George Washington keep his armies? And I was like, where Mark? And he goes in his sleeveies. <laughs> that, that's the best memory. The final memory of Mark telling me a joke oh. that was so funny. And so yeah. that was the hardest show especially the drive home and flying home and the surrealness of it and just watching him. It's just not something you ever want anyone to have to watch or go through. Oh no. And at, and at a gig too. That's was there press coverage about this? There was a little bit of press coverage. I mean, he okay. it was on the internet a little bit, but probably could have been more I'm sure, but I didn't hear yeah. as much. I really didn't want to talk about it because literally right when I got home, literally as I sat on my bed after I got home to process what happened, my sister called me and said that my other sister had about two weeks to live. So I was bad time. So if anyone wrote anything in my face, I did not go on Facebook. I did not do anything. And if somebody wrote to me and was like, Hey, and posting all this stuff, um, I would just have my mom handle it. And I was like, can you call this person and tell them to stop posting stuff about mm-hmm. my life? I don't want to see anything from anybody. I just want to leave him and respect the fact that he's not here with us and, and to let the band process what just happened because it wasn't like he just didn't come to a show. We watched him go and it yeah. was, not, it's very traumatic to watch that. So, um, so yeah, worst show ever that one. No. Yeah. Absolutely. I, that's very heavy. And uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that with, with me because I, I know that's, that's a very hard memory to, to relive. But uh, I did not know that. I, I think I knew that Starship's guitarist passed away at some point, but I didn't know it was like immediately after a gig. It was terrible. Oh, my goodness. It was terrible. No, that's heartbreaking. 
all in my mind, I was like, if we just had one trailer, he could have cooled off sooner. We would have seen him, you know, all those things you go through your head. I'm like, damn it, Boston, why? You know, you can't, you can't, things happen and they happen and you can't change anything. And and terribly, he was a beautiful soul, like a beautiful person, just a great guy. And, um, you know, when John Roth came in as the replacement, I just remember for a moment thinking, dang it, like no one can right. mark. And as soon as he started playing, I was just like crying. And I just, yeah. I just thought, thank you for coming to be yeah. this person. So, and he's been, he was, you know, John Roth is extra special. So he's a perfect fit for that band. Excellent. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty, that's, that's heavy. So let's hear, let's, let's take a a breath and then we're going to get to my last couple questions here. And that was Stephanie Calvert, a former vocalist for the band Starship featuring Mickey Thomas. I need to thank Stephanie for being such a fantastic guest and for being so generous with her time. And also on behalf of all Starship fans, I have to thank her for the 15 years of wonderful live performances she delivered during her stint with the band. I'd also like to say I really appreciate that she shared her memories about Mark Abrahamian. I know that's a very difficult, sensitive topic, so I really appreciate that she shared that story with us here today. Remember, part two is going to cover her experiences recording on the 2013 Loveless Fascination album, and we will also discuss why she is no longer with Starship, so keep an eye out for that. That will be posted soon. And with that, thank you for listening. I'm going to play us out with a little bit more of Stephanie singing for your eyes only. You can see so much in me, so much in me that's new. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the big four things you can do to support this show that don't cost a dime. Number one, listen to the show. If you're hearing this now, that means you did this part already. Thank you. There is an infinite amount of content out there, so you choosing to spend some time listening to this show means a great deal to me. Number two, if you like what we did here, please recommend this show to family, friends, or anyone you know who's looking for a podcast, particularly about music. Share our links in Facebook groups, subreddits, and recommendation threads. Whatever you can do is highly appreciated on my end. Number three, find us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at PlayThatPodcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash playthatpodcast. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash playthatrockandroll. Lots of great material like photos and vlogs on all three platforms. As Play That Rock and Roll is very much meant to be a content hub as well as a podcast. And finally, the big ask. Number four. Please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I know this part is a hassle, but it really does help the show a great deal. Not just because it affects the algorithm, but also because it gives me something I can point to when pitching this show to potential guests. The more social media followers and positive ratings the show has, the better chance I have for booking high-profile guests for interviews. So if you take a moment to give us even just a five-star rating, you are actively giving us a tool to do bigger and better things here. But whatever the case, I appreciate any and all efforts you take to support us here at Play That Rock and Roll. Be sure to join us next time for more great stories and music from the world of classic rock. You really know me, that's all I need to know. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 